We're joined now by Danielle Plowman, who is the founder and managing director of LELE. Hi, Danielle. Thank you for joining us. Hello there. Hi. How's it going? Really good, thank you. How are you? Not too bad. So, Danielle, we've been running um, a e-commerce uh, hot topic of business zone all month long. Um, you you formed a part of that, uh, so yeah. we we kind of just I think as a starting point before we get too deep into everything, could you just tell me tell me and the listeners a little bit about your business, um, how it got going, and and what it is exactly that Ellie Ellie does. Of course, yeah. So Ellie Ellie is a personalised jewellery and giftware brand, and we're based down in Brighton and Hove. Um, we sell uh, directly online, um, so on our own website, on not on the high street. Um, we're also on ASOS Marketplace, Etsy, and Hard to Find. And our USP really is to um, offer u- unique personalised gifts with more meaning. So everything is designed with the aim of bringing people closer together. Um, and that, that's kind of why all of our, our gifts are, are pretty much personalised, so that they can make something really sentimental out of a gift. Um, the, the journey to starting the business is quite a long, a long journey, but the kind of easy way to say it is um, I essentially started the business because I couldn't find a job. So I uh, graduated from fashion design from Kingston Uni, um, and like most graduates looking for a job, and I never, I never found one. Um, and I kind of gave it all up and went travelling for a very long time and then came back and I found Not On The High Street and that's where I kind of launched a couple of products, um, tested the market, saw what sold um, and then it's really just grown from there. So that was about five years ago, we're nearly five um, and now we've got a team of 21 people, young, ambitious individuals. It's really exciting and we've got a beautiful office in Hove that we uh, get to look, uh, look at the sea all day long. What what actually drew you to to e-commerce specifically? Um, as far as I understand, LELE doesn't actually have a physical retail location. No, no, we don't. It's something we would love to have in the future, but um, it's a good question because when I couldn't find a job, I actually uh, I started looking for jobs within the retail sector of children's wear. That's what I specialised in, and. Um, as I was doing that, I, I found out, uh, literally got the yellow pages and rung uh, every children's wear shop in Brighton to see if they needed a shop assistant. And I got talking to one of the shops, and they uh, they were very interested in doing a collection with me, so for me to design a collection, an exclusive collection for their for their shop. And the long and short of it, uh, not having much experience, I made this whole collection for them, and their shop closed down. So I had all of this, this these items of clothing in the corner of my bedroom at the time, yeah. and nowhere to sell it. So I, uh, I was out for a walk one day and I, <laughs> I walked past the shop and I thought, I see what, I'm going to open up a shop and I'm going to sell my product from there, naively, uh, thinking that I'd be able to pay the rent. And um, I opened up the shop and I, I sat it out for two years and it was terrible, a terrible mistake. I lost a lot of money. I worked kind of two other jobs, two or three other jobs at the same time in order to pay for it. And so... I think that is definitely the answer to your question. Is I've, I've, I've tried that and it was really unsuccessful. So online just haven't, hasn't got the overhead. Um, it, and so I think it's a much easier way for businesses to start up. Mm. The, um, it, it, it's a really interesting kind of origin story, if, you, if, I'm, if I'm allowed to make you sound like some kind of superhero, um, in, terms <laughs> of, in terms of not, not being able to find work um, and, you know, and, and perhaps finding the physical retail um, sector slightly stagnant. Uh, that, that story that you have, does, does that 
does that form part of your 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 marketing? Is that is that kind of how you how you kind of tell your brand story? Um, a little bit. We do. We we tend to be quite honest and open about the Eliele story. But um, we've just gone through quite a big branding exercise, and we aren't moving moving forward. We're not really doing too much about our story. We're doing a little bit so that they know us. They should know us as human beings, and they should know we kind of want to be the friends to our customers. Um, but ideally, we want to be telling the customer what we're going to give them, what we're going to help them with. But I, I, I do think the story resonates with people, and I think people like the honesty of, uh, of people in business telling the mistakes along the way and um, and kind of how you got over them, how you troubleshooted them, problem-solved them. I think that probably does lead to a lot more trust within the customer. Hmm. I suppose yeah. it's, it's, it's also important, uh, especially when you're running a website, which can so easily become quite faceless um, yeah. if you're not careful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you've, you've got to make sure that you build up the trust through, through your website um, through different ways. We've got um, a FIFO uh, review system on our website. So if, if they don't believe us, they can listen to other customers um, about their experience with us. Um, and also we do put our photos of us on social media and on the website so they they can put a name to the face i think that's really important mm. and we also um we humanize everybody that works here with our sign off so at the bottom of the sign off where it says what we do our job title we also have a couple of other facts about us as as people outside of the work, of the workplace um which is really nice and actually we, we have quite a lot of conversations with customers about it they'll uh, they'll comment on the sign off mine says that i love cheese and that um, i'm a major champion so if anybody likes cheese, it quite, it quite often opens up a conversation of cheese. And you're also really cornering the majorette champion market, which is, I imagine, very big. <laughs> yeah, most people don't know what a majorette is, actually, so it's a good conversation starter. My, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a, like a, quite, a, quite a unique aspect to your biography there. Um, <laughs> with, uh, w- tell me, did, did you ever expect LALA to get as big as it did? Um, oh God, that's such a hard question because I, I, I can't remember what I was thinking when I started it, really. Um, I just kind of got on with it. I don't, I'm not really too much of a talker. I'm just a doer, so I just get things done. But I think the main aim for me when I started Ellie Ellie was to, was to bring in a wage for myself, to wake up every day to go somewhere where I didn't feel like it was work and actually get paid for that because you spend so much time at work. Um, it's really important that you love it and you feel like you're making a difference. Um, but I definitely was very, very ambitious. Um, I've always been, always been really ambitious. So I just, but I didn't know whether or not that that opportunity would necessarily come around. So it was just about me at every stage of kind of the growth of the business to recognise an opportunity um, and then go for it. That's that's how I made a lot of my decisions when. When you start turning down opportunities because perhaps you haven't got the, the space or the staff, um, that's when you know you need to scale up because I'll, I'll never turn down uh, an opportunity. And I want to see as big as it can get. That's, and I think it would be, I think it'd be massive. We just did, I just did a little presentation to the team today about the story of Ellie Ellie and where it's going. And we all sat together and we made up these ridiculous dreams about where we would like to be in five or ten years' time which seem ridiculous, but they're not ridiculous because I know it's possible because I started from nothing. Mm. With, I mean, you see, you had this, you've always had this kind of ambition to drive you. 
But mm. when when you when you actually got to founding the website and and having to really get to the nitty gritty details, how did mm. you how did you find um, actually building the infrastructure of your of your idea, building it out, making it like real? So the actual mechanics of selling these things that you were making was that hard? Yeah. Well, we found um, so we were accepted onto Not on the High Street quite early on with with Not on the High Street. I think it was about four years into uh, them starting the business. Um, most people don't even get accepted on Not on the High Street. At the time, I think 80% of, the, of uh, small businesses were being turned away, but we luckily got, um, got accepted on that. Looking back on the product that I actually did back then, I don't know how I got accepted, but we did. And so, it's, so really Not on the High Street has been the platform to enable us to, to develop as a company because um, we, have, we have to pay, we have paid a membership to go on and we pay commissions for our sales, but they take... They, they deal with the rest, so their marketing budgets are absolutely ginormous. So they're, they're marketing our products um, with their own budget, which that's, that's really why we've grown at such, such a pace. Um, and it's not just that. They, they treat us as partners. We're not just sellers on there. Um, so they really nurture us and advise us. Um, and they've taught, they've taught me loads about business, um, way more than if I was just trying to work, work it out myself. So then that platform itself has enabled us to develop on our own website and then look at other channels. Because um, otherwise it's going to be, it would be very difficult to start a business. You'd have to have a lot of investment if we just wanted to get all the sales through our website. Mm. Um, so these platforms, there's loads of platforms out there. There's Etsy, Hard to Find, um, that, that can all kind of help you grow and put that infrastructure in place. And it's so so. It's interesting because it seems it sounds almost as if you used the experience with not on the high street almost as an apprenticeship before launching your own website. Yeah, well, I did. Um, I had the website pretty much at the same time as my not on the high street storefront. But yeah, definitely, I definitely looked at them like they were the, the mentoring me, um, because the way that their business works, they grow when you grow. So it's in their interest for them to to mentor you to. Um, to help you with those problems of having a small business and growing a small business. Um, so yeah, that's quite quite an accurate description actually. So tell me tell me about your suppliers, um, Danielle, because I, I I can imagine that you're not you're not making the things still completely by hand yourself, just feverishly making them making them all 24 hours a day. How where did you find them and and what's the kind of operation? So. Um, yeah, we, I mean, we've got a big product offering. We've got over 700 products, and I think in our system we've got something like 70,000 variants of different colours, sizes, shapes, and uh, things of uh, all of our products. So we can't possibly make them all ourselves, and also we need to be competitive. Um, when I first started, I did make everything myself um, because that was the cheapest way to test out the market. I didn't have to actually invest in any stock. But... What we do now um, is we buy, we design and manufacture blanks um, with, with suppliers and then we do the hand uh, personalisation, the, the finalisation of the product in-house. So if you take something like our matte cufflinks, which is one of our best-selling products, we have a, a little blank cufflink um, which has kind of a, a, a spare space for the mat to sit in and that has a piece of glass that goes on the top. So that's the two components that we have made. And then when the order comes through, we then pick the map from our vintage collection of maps. They are all vintage. We get them all secondhand. 
Um, we still, I still can be found at a jumble sale trying to find a map. Like, I love that. Um, so we'll cut out the map and then we'll set it in the cufflink. And that enables us to do a kind of 48-hour turnaround for a personalisation company, which is quite a unique offering. Um, uh, and being be in control of uh, of the final product as well, so that we can be quality controlling it, making sure it's the, the, the top quality for our customers. How scalable do you think personalization is? I mean, uh, it's it's interesting because it, it, it definitely sounds like you you still have a very uh, kind of bespoke kind of attitude yeah. towards your product. How yeah. uh, how sustainable do you think that is as Ellie LA starts continues to grow? Um, I think it's really sustainable. We have got. Um, we have worked really hard to, to, to actually answer that exact question because that is a worry. Um, and we, uh, about a year, maybe a year and a half ago, we integrated a stock and order management system that we had been working on for about a year and a half before that. To Me and another member of staff worked on it full time, so about three years worth of work. Worth of work. Um, and we have, um, I believe we're kind of one of the only few that has managed to do a stock and order management system for a personalization company. So we, uh, we can scale up with that system probably 10 times the size that we are, um, and we, can continue, we continually do developments on the system in order to streamline our systems but keep the same products and keep the same quality products. So I, I'm pretty certain that we, uh, we can definitely continue to scale with the infrastructure that we've put in. And from your from your perspective as someone who is absolutely immersed in in the e-commerce um, selling side of things, mm-hmm. when 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 you look um, at the, the it's a very kind of broad kind of eye, but I mean if when you look at other websites, what what do you what do you think frequently frustrates customers when it comes to dealing with with other with e-commerce platforms and businesses? What what are some really common mistakes that you might have made or that you see others making? Um, I think the biggest problem with online retail is um, delivery. I think that's the biggest um, wall, the biggest roadblock that um, any business has is the fact that you, we have to send it out to them. Um, and there's two things within that is there's the additional cost that the customer has got to make. Um, they don't seem to, when people go shopping, they don't seem to consider the, the car they've got to get in, the petrol, the parking, because it's all kind of a bit of an experience. It's a day out. But online, charging postage is very, 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 very difficult to, um, to work out the best thing to do because obviously we've got to pay for it. We have to pay Royal Mail postage to get that product to them. Um, and then, of course, they've got to wait for it. And then, of course, you've got the problem that then most people aren't in all day. So I think the biggest problem is, is postage. So the development within uh, the delivery options it's been amazing over the last two years and there's so many different options and it's something that we continually work on we've just um we've just integrated in our system actually a new postal method where everything is going to be sent tracked and then the customer gets a text message and an email to let them know exactly where their parcel is so they're really uh, part of the whole journey they know it's been dispatched they know it's on its way they know if it's been left in a safe place um and that, I think, is really going to help and it eliminates customer um, inquiries, our end, because they're not chasing their item. And then it also eliminates things going lost in the post, which is another problem. Um, and then we are, we've just also um, developed an international for our international customers. We're doing an international express, 
which can get to them in two to five days, which is, I don't even know how that is possible. Yeah, I don't, magic I do of not know modern how we, world. <laughs> yeah, I do not know how we can develop, uh, dispatch something here for, uh, and send it to Australia and it'll be there in two days. Like, I have no idea, but apparently that's what it does. Um, and then other things we're looking at is um, doing nominated delivery. Um, so they, they know they can say when they're going to be in and that's when it's going to be delivered so there's no inconvenience. And then, of course, click and collect is a really big one, um, especially during peak time because I think trust of customers over Christmas um, becomes a little bit more volatile because they're worried whether or not the postal system can handle it and whether or not they're going to get it to Christmas because there's a deadline. You've got to get it there before Christmas, otherwise it's pointless. So um, those kind of offerings add a lot more trust to online shoppers, I think. It sounds like a. It sounds like quite a a cutthroat thing to be involved with. But by, by the sounds of it, because I mean, it, like like you mentioned with the um, when when in physical retail, there there are all kinds of ancillary costs that people don't take into account. But when they're online. Yeah. Um, it suddenly becomes do or die. For instance, if someone is trying to pay for a product and it goes wrong, they could very easily just never return to your website ever again. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we see our drop-off rates. Like if they just if there's one thing that is incorrect in the personalization filter they can enter, um, they just drop off. It's just oh, too much work. I'm going to go. So you've got you've got to make it as streamlined as possible. Um, we, we, we've all been there. Amazon has made it so streamlined that we all accidentally place orders, which is incredible. I don't know <laughs> if you've ever done that. I've definitely accidentally bought something on Amazon because I still think that I've, there's a confirmation page. There's not. Like, literally, you've added it to your basket, one click, check out, and it's, it's, you've bought it. And that's what customers are used to. So if there is any frustrations for, yeah, for entering... Which is really difficult, difficult for personalization companies because they do actually have to enter some information. Um, but they will go. They've got no time. Customers, they're, they're off. <laughs> yeah. How, how would you say then that, that, that you've managed to um, at least semi-solve this problem? I suppose it can never really be fully solved because Internet users are incredibly, incredibly lazy creatures. But mm. how, how has Ellie Ellie gone about trying to minimize that kind of impact? Off. Well, it's, it's definitely a work in progress. Um, on our own website, for, for, for sure, we've, we've got a lot of things um, developing at the moment to focus entirely on conversion rates and drop-off uh, drop off, drop off rates on the website. But in terms of um, what we can do at the moment is photography is a really big one. It's, uh, it, it's about laying down those expectations for a customer. So they don't really read uh, any of the product information, but it's there in case they want to. But I think as long as you translate your product through imagery, um, then I think you're halfway there. Um, and then making your drop-downs and your options as easy as possible. So don't have too many options. Even though you offer a personalization service, you've still got to offer the customer your design knowledge so I don't think personally you should offer every colour under the sun or um, every plating, um, every different size. We will design a product and we will decide the colourways that it should be in from our design background and then they can choose them from there. So then that we're, you're really eliminating how many drop-downs they, they choose before adding to the basket. It's all about, it's all about uh, reducing those clicks, the most minimal clicks possible input them to be able to then get to the checkout and pay for it. 
it's almost it almost sounds like a magic show as in you you want to do a lot of this a lot of the things at the back but you don't really want to, the person watching the magic show to really see you doing it and you want them to, to just be this flawless kind of magical experience where they they get a personalized item just in the post like in australia five days later yeah, yeah exactly that we are the magic behind them looking like a gifting genius we do all the work so we, a couple of reviews that we've had recently is like people saying um, like they've got their serious wife points out on some, such and such a <laughs> best gift ever and I won't ever tell them where I got it from. And I love that because that's what we're doing. We're helping our customers find the most amazing product and get it to them really, really quickly. And it makes them, and it makes them feel amazing. Like everybody loves that feeling when they give a gift and the recipient loves it and they, the recipient thinks, that you know them so well, that you have bought them this most personalised gift that no one else in the world would have ever thought of to buy them because you know them so well. And that's exactly what we try to do. We try to bring that magic through, through the product. It's quite a nice description, that. Um, uh, Danielle, it's been, it's been really interesting chatting to you. I, I think that, that that's pretty much all the time we have. I suppose I could carry on talking to you for, for a while, uh, <laughs> but I would, I would wonder about the endurance of, of, the, of my listeners <laughs> listening to my lovely accent. Um, but uh, thank you very much and uh, good luck going forward no problem thank you so much for having me we've just had business owner deputy editor Francois Bardenhorst interviewing the inspiring Ellie Ellie founder Daniela Powman uh, now I'm joined by James Frost who's chief marketing officer at Wellpay UK uh, which which supported the retail and e-commerce hot topic that Francois mentioned. I was just here to share a bit of his expertise. So thanks for joining us today, James. No problem. Thank you. Brilliant. So Danielle talks about how platforms made it much sort of more accessible and easier for her to start up. And I just kind of thought it'd be interested to get your perspective on how technology has been changed since you've been working with Wellpay and how that's impacted uh, retailers. Yeah, I mean, I think the most interesting thing that Danielle talked about was, you know, the way she'd used kind of online marketplaces as a way of sort of getting the business started. And, you know, that's a phenomenon that's grown sort of hugely over the last sort of five to 10 years. And um, I think what's really interesting about it is it, it does give sort of the small business owner a chance to sort of dip their toe in the water to to figure out whether there's appetite for the products they're offering uh, and also to think about how they optimize their business without having to worry about sort of running the front end of the business and, and the web operation itself, because, you know, in a marketplace, someone else is kind of taking care of that. And I think I think that is quite an interesting angle for many small business owners these days. It gives them a sort of uh, a lower cost, lower risk way of, of sort of getting going in the first place. Definitely. And I thought it was fantastic that she's been able to bootstrap and kind of do it all from, you know, just using the technology in her own kind of will in, in a way. Yeah, and I think, you know, the other thing about sort of setting a business up in a step-by-step -step way like that is, it, you know, it can be very daunting trying to run a business if you think about all the different aspects of it. You've got the, you know, the buying and the sourcing, you've got the fulfillment operation, you've got to stay on top of the finances, you've got to do all the sales and the marketing, you know, whereas if you kind of enter maybe through an online marketplace, you probably, you know, half of those things, someone else is taking care of them and, you can really concentrate on making sure that the sort of sourcing and the fulfillment operations working really brilliantly, you know, get that kind of fully operational. And then, you know, you can think about maybe branching out and setting up and selling directly yourself once you've kind of got all the other parts of the business sort of running like clockwork. 
Right, and what about the uh, the branding piece as well? Because I mean, she mentioned that she kind of has evolved from using her own story as kind of an inspiration and a, a, a more sort of central part of the brand to kind of talking about uh, what they do for customers. Although you know, the authenticity is still kind of a key part of that. They do kind of show um, a lot of personality in what they do, which I thought was great. I mean, how do how do you see kind of the entrepreneur's brand and its role in in um, retail? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it you know it definitely creates a more direct and human connection you know with the people who are buying the products if if they're interested in the founder's story if it resonates with them you know then that can be quite powerful especially for businesses when they're at the early stage right and another key sort of challenge for uh danielle was the and i think this is sort of pervasive across all of um e-commerce is the the need to sort of deal with um to reduce cart abandonment and to make the the user experience really as sort of clean and easy as possible. I mean, given your your focus on on retail technology, I just wondered if you could kind of pick out any sort of points you've you've come across that would help uh, in that regard or any advice. Yeah, I mean, you know, we spend a lot of time, you know, with our, you know, we operate WorldPay operates both with you know very small businesses and also some very large businesses, and we spend lots of time trying to help those businesses kind of optimize their conversion rates on their, especially on their sort of cart checkout pages. It's absolutely critical for any online business. Um, I think there are a few things that businesses should think about that, that can help. I mean, one of the classic dilemmas for a business is to what extent you make people have to register to set up an account versus let them check out as a guest. Um, you know, we would always recommend having the latter option because it definitely makes, you know, uh, you know cart abandonment lower. Um, but at the same time, the trade-off then is you're trying to build up a database of your customers and you want to be able to market to them and you want it to make it easier for them the next time they come back to your site. Um, and, and I think there's some clever ways you can do that, which is, you know, if you make the account set up something that happens at the end of the transaction rather than putting it in the way of the transaction, that can be quite a good way of getting the best of both worlds, for example. Um, and then other things, you know, that WorldPay does that people should think about in terms of trying to maximize their you know, their, their conversion success is things like, you know, are your payment pages rendering properly on mobile devices? You know, kind of huge amounts of commerce is now conducted from our phones, not from our computers. You know, it's absolutely essential to, you know, work with a payments provider whose, whose payment pages can render well on all those different devices, which is something, you know, WorldPay um, is investing a lot of, of time and, and effort into because we, we really see the benefits for, you know, small and large businesses alike. Brilliant. Uh, well, thanks so much for, for joining us today, James. It has been fantastic to work with you on the retail and e-commerce hot topic. Great. I've really enjoyed it. So thank you very much.